Our scripture reading today is from Romans 10, verses 11 through 21. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have, for their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Amen. Beautiful, beautiful feet. Beautiful feet is the theme of the message this morning. Our mission here at New City Fellowship is to make disciples who enjoy, who serve, and who follow Jesus in all of life. And the way that we seek to do this is fourfold. We've talked about this before, and, and so I want to give you a little reminder of what that methodology is. How do we make disciples? Well, first we seek to engage outsiders. Second, we seek to evangelize lost. Third, to establish believers in the faith. And fourthly, to equip leaders to serve, to engage outsiders, to evangelize the lost, to establish believers, and to equip leaders. That is our methodology for making disciples here at our church. And today's passage really helps us focus in on that second point, evangelizing the lost. Let's pray together as we open God's Word. Father, speak. Holy Spirit, open our minds and our hearts to receive what we have from the Lord Jesus. 
In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Evangelize. Now that's a churchy word, isn't it? Evangelize. What does it mean to evangelize? Well, evangelize is actually a word that comes directly out of the original language of the Bible. Directly. It's, it's a Greek word, evangelize. And it's made up of two parts. The first one is eve, or ev, which means good. Uh, and sometimes it's also with a u, e-u. You've heard of uh, to eulogy or eulogize someone. That's where to say a good word about someone, right? Uh, that's where we get that e-v or u in some uh, English. And then the second word is actually angel. See that word in there? It's evangel, angel. And what does angel mean? Angel is a message. Angel is news. And so in this word, evangelize, you have good news. Right there, you see it? Eve, angel, to speak good news. So that's what evangelize literally means. To speak good news, or as we like to say, to proclaim the gospel. And sometimes we use the word gospel interchangeably with good news or evangelize. It all means the same thing, to speak and to proclaim good news. Let's talk a little bit about the context. Because as we've been, as we've been reading through Romans, we reached chapter 9, and, 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 and now we're in chapter 10, and halfway through, uh, the, the, the message shifts to this evangelism, to this, we need to get out and speak the good news. Well, why? Why, are we, why suddenly is he all of a sudden talking about evangelism? Well, in the context, we see that Paul has been talking about God's salvation and, and specifically God's election, God's sovereignty over salvation of the whole process. If we look back at Romans chapter 9, verse 16, it says this, Salvation depends not on human will, or exertion, but on God. So who does salvation depend on? Who does salvation depend on? God. And it says here, God who has mercy. Salvation depends on God who has mercy. And so in the context, Paul is, is, is giving us these deep mysteries about the mind of God and the plan of God and the work of God to bring salvation God who has mercy, it doesn't depend on human will or responsibility. It depends on God. That's what he says right in chapter 9. And so it raises a perplexing question. And the perplexing question, if God is sovereign, right? if God has already decreed the, the end from the beginning, if God has already done it, which is what he's just been talking about, then why? Should we evangelize? If God has already done it, then why should we care? Why should we evangelize? What difference does it make? That is the question on everyone's mind when they read Romans chapter 9 and into chapter 10. And that's why Paul picks that up in the context and he answers that question for us today. Why should we evangelize? Let's look at what God says in verse 11. Pay attention to what God says. For Scripture says, everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, 
bestowing His riches on all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Why should we evangelize? Why should we speak the good news of Jesus? The first reason He gives is that we should evangelize because God has promised the results. God has promised the results. And it's this simple. Everyone who believes will be saved. Everyone who believes will be saved. And how do we know this? Well, Paul tells us, you, we know this because the Bible tells us so. <laughs> right? That old, Jesus loves me. This I know for... Right. For the Bible tells me so. And here Paul quotes two Old Testament prophets. He quotes the prophet Isaiah. And he, prof- he quotes the prophet Joel. And they're giving us the same message. And that message is God has promised the results. God has promised that everyone who believes will be saved. And so God's word here to us actually gives us motivation. It gives us confidence to evangelize. It's the why we should evangelize because God promises it works. God promises he's at work. God promises everyone who believes will be saved. It's a sure promise. When Laurie and I were first married, I was unemployed. Now, I'm not sure how wise it was for Laurie to marry a guy who was unemployed. But we're not talking about that today, okay? We're not really, we're not really talking about that. She did it, and the rest is history. But I was out, you know, I was out on the street every day looking for a job. And I got in some really strange situations looking for a job. And I'm going to share one of those with you today. Uh, one day, I ended up in uh, some conference room with like 30 or 40 other well-dressed individuals looking for a sales job. As some of you have been in these uh, types of trainings, I found myself in this training and I'm hearing about this product that we are going to be equipped to go out door to door and sell. And it was Kirby vacuum cleaners. I'm naming names. Kirby vacuum cleaners. And the, uh, the trainer brought out the Kirby vacuum cleaner. If you've ever seen one, it looks like a tank. Uh, they weigh a thousand pounds. And I mean, they work, but they're ugly. Okay, they, they're ugly and they're hard to manage. There's all these confusing parts. And they're laying out this whole thing in front of me. And I'm thinking, I don't even like this thing. Like, this doesn't make any sense to me at all. How am I supposed to sell something that I don't even believe in? I don't even like it. I was not impressed. And that was my last day of the Kirby vacuum cleaner training. (laughs) Thankfully, God provided something else. You and I will never evangelize if we don't recognize that God promises the effectiveness of the Word of God. We will never get the word out. We will never care to get the word out unless we know and we believe and we have invested ourselves in trusting Christ for ourselves. You see, 
if we don't believe that it works, if it's like the Kirby, which the Kirbys are, you know, they're great in their own way, but if we don't believe it works, we're never going to evangelize, right? We're never going to. And so the motive, the why, is we have to really believe and really know. And God tells us over and over that it works. That he works. He promises that everyone who believes will be saved. Not everyone who gets their life together. Not everyone who does the right thing. Not everyone who, who follows steps A through, a through Z. Right? It's not a process, it's a simple faith that we call people to. And Christ tells us here, if you believe, you will be saved. And he says it three different ways. In verse 11, everyone who believes will be saved. In the next verse, there is no distinction between Jews and Gentiles. Why? Because everyone who believes will be saved. And then in the next verse, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, what? will be saved. He's saying again and again and again, you've got to get this in your head. This is true. God says it's true. Believe it. So that, so that you can be sent out with beautiful feet to proclaim this message of salvation, which is for the whole world. Yes, for the whole world. We can have confidence. Right? We can have confidence that, by declare, that God declares this over and over in Scripture that anyone, everyone who believes will be saved. Man, that is such good news, so motivational. Why should we evangelize? Because of God's promise. He has promised the results. Secondly, we should evangelize because this promise is for everyone. It is not for the elite few. He makes that abundantly clear, doesn't he? He says it's not just for the Israelites. It's not just for the Jewish people. It's not just for the religious, but it is for everyone without distinction. Everyone without distinction. We don't have to figure out who is chosen. We don't have, that's not our job. It is, a, in fact, it's a mystery to us. And that's okay for God to be mysterious. Let me give you permission <laughs> to believe in a God who is mysterious in some ways. If you understand everything about God, you don't understand anything about God. God is mysterious to us in so many ways. This is one way that God is mysterious to us. God doesn't make distinctions, and neither should we. God doesn't make distinctions, and neither should we. Our church is a testament to that by God's grace that we might be even more a testament to that as we take our beautiful feet and go out those doors even more that we would make no distinction because God doesn't make any distinction let me tell you a story about the video that I saw several years ago of a man by the name of Penn Gillette a few years ago, uh, an audience member walked up to uh, Penn Gillette. He's, a, he's really an outspoken atheist and a comedian. And uh, someone, after one of his shows, walked up to him, this man walked up to him, and handed him a small Bible, a New Testament, and spoke with him about Jesus, just down front after the show. And Gillette shared this experience on a YouTube video. Maybe some of you have seen it. It, it was several years ago. 
you can search for it and find it pretty easily. And I want to I read for you the quote of what uh, Pendulet said about the experience. He said, This Christian man who spoke to me was kind, nice, and sane. He looked me in the eyes. He talked to me. Then he gave me this Bible. As I've always said, I don't respect people who don't evangelize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe there's a heaven and a hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think it's not really worth telling them this because it might make you socially awkward, how much do you have to hate somebody to not evangelize? How much do you have to hate someone to believe everlasting life is possible and not tell them about that? Wow. That is such a convicting word from, this, from the mouth of an unbeliever. How much do you have to hate someone? Wow. Wow. I'm convicted. God says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We should evangelize because God has promised results. And the good news is for everyone without distinction. That's the why. What about the how? How do we evangelize? He answers that question next. Verse 14, follow along. How then shall they call on him in whom they have in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. People have to believe, and in order to believe, they have to hear. And in order to hear, someone has to preach. And in order to hear the preaching, someone has to be sent. See the pattern that he lays down for us of the how? How do we evangelize? The first answer to that question is we should evangelize by preaching the good news, simply proclaiming the good news. And, and let's be clear, the good news is not a new way to live your life. The good news is not a manifesto for your best life now. The good news is not about a social improvement project or a self-improvement project. That is not the good news. The good news is, wait for it, news, okay? It's news. It is simply a message, a news from God. That's why the task of evangelism is to preach or to proclaim. The word preach here again, literally means to evangelize. It means to announce the good news. It's the same word evangelize, the verb form, to preach, to evangelize. That's what he's saying, that 
announcement of the good news. And we get this word uh, from, and, and we, we read earlier in our service, Isaiah 52. And, we, and if you go back and read that, you'll see some of this imagery um, in what I'm about to explain to you about the good news and the background for the good news. See, I want you to imagine that the time before telecommunications, the time before uh, there was satellite imagery, uh, and, and the time when kings and nations sent out their armies to fight for their interest, to protect them against enemies. A nation would send out their army, and the only communication they had They didn't have any telecommunication. The only communication they had were messengers who would go back and forth between the the battle and the the kingdom. And so these messengers, imagine, are going back and forth and they're carrying messages and updates for the king. And imagine that you are standing on the city walls and you're watching and from a great distance you see a cloud of smoke and, and dust begin to rise and you see a messenger running straight away. And you can tell, but you can tell from years of seeing these messengers whether it's good news or bad news, <laughs> right? You can tell from the feet, you can tell from the way the feet are moving if, it, if it's good news or if it's bad news. If you need to prepare yourself for bad news. The feet carry the message of victory or defeat. Will the nation fall into despair or victory over their enemies? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. You see, when that good news hits, when that message of victory hits, everything changes. The enemy has been defeated. We have a new life now of freedom and liberty from the captive. We now have a new life as victors, right? See, everything is carried on the feet of the messenger. The, how beautiful are the feet of those who carry good news. How do we evangelize? By proclaiming good news. And how do we do that specifically? We do that by sending out preachers. We do that by sending out proclaimers of the good news. Jesus gave his disciples a great commission. Do you remember what the first word of that great commission was? Go, right? It's go. Go and make disciples. Go. Get on your feet and go. We are always called to be moving the message out from wherever we are. The book of Acts begins with this explanation of moving out from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. And so for us, that means from Orangeburg to the low country to the South Carolina to the world. You see, there's always a movement and a going out with the message, a sending out, and, and that word is apostle, it's sending out messengers. How can we participate in this? How can we participate in this? First, I want to clear up something, okay? We use the word preacher in a narrow sense, mostly. Generally, we think of a preacher as someone like me, who's been trained in the Word and theology and historical uh, scenarios. 
to preach the word authoritatively from the pulpit, to guard the message called by God, to be a protector of the message, to keep out false teachers. That's part of my calling as a preacher. But this word is not only used in that formal sense, what I'll call capital P preacher, it's also used in a lowercase p preacher. And that, you guessed it, applies to each and every one of you. That you are a preacher of the gospel. That you are a preacher of the good news. And I'm going to give you three ways, practical ways right now, that you can participate in preaching and in sending out the word. The first is connect people, outsiders, the lost, connect them to the faith. Connect, make connections. Be a connector. Don't let your faith be a secret among your friends or your neighbors. God has placed you and given you influence for His purposes. So find a way to connect people to the people and the places where they will hear the good news. Right? Just make connections. Make connections. You can do that in person. You can do that online. You can do that in so many ways. You can do that as you're sent off into basic training. Amen? (laughs) To connect people to the people and the places that are preaching the good news. Uh, It's as simple as an invitation to church. It, It can be as simple as that. That's the first way. Connect people to the faith. Secondly, support the messengers. Support the messengers Support those who have devoted their lives to be messengers of the gospel. Financial giving locally of this church directly supports this mission to support messengers, to send out messengers. And in other ways you can give. uh, My family, we give to support this church. We give to support missionaries abroad. Uh, Laurie and I support missionaries in Charleston, which is kind of like our Samaria. Uh, We have uh, supported missionaries, support missionaries uh, in Russia, who we were talking about yesterday, who can't uh, mention the name of Christ in an email. They have to put in code words because of the danger of proclaiming Christ in Russia. And then we also support missionaries in Thailand. Support the messengers. That's one way that you can participate in sending out gospel words. Connecting people to the faith. Supporting the messengers. And the third one is do it yourself. The third one is do it yourself. You don't have to be a capital P preacher to preach the good news. Let me say it again. You don't have to be a capital P preacher to preach the good news. We want to equip you. It is part of my job to equip you to be sent into your own sphere of influence with the message of good news. To be sent out into your own sphere of influence with the good news. Do you know what you believe well enough to share it with someone? Some of us say yes, and some of us say, I'm not so sure. 
Let me give you an exercise I want you to do, all of you. I want you to write a paragraph, just on your own, in a journal, on a piece of paper, or on your phone. Write a paragraph that describes your personal faith and your personal relationship with Jesus. Write it down in a paragraph. Then find a friend who's trusted, someone here, someone sitting in your uh, congregation, someone who's maybe a family member, and read it to them. And ask, does this communicate my faith? Does this communicate what we believe about Christ? And then give one another feedback on that. Send it to me, I'll read it. Okay? But I want you to do this for each other. Don't rely only on the capital P preacher. Okay? Write a paragraph that describes your personal faith. Read it to a friend. Next, prayerfully consider and look for an opportunity to share this simple message with somebody you know that doesn't know Jesus. Look for an opportunity to share that simple message. What God has done in you, remember? If you, do you believe the message? That is what you share. You share what you believe. You don't have to go to seminary. Okay? Write that down. So these are three ways you can participate in sending. is to Connect people to the faith. Invitation. Support the messengers with prayer and with finances, and do it yourself. Be about that work. Why should we evangelize? Because God has promised that everyone who believes will be saved. How should we evangelize? By preaching the good news, connecting people to Jesus, supporting the messenger, and doing it yourself. And last, who should we evangelize? Verse 18, but I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have, for their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the earth. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, imagine a prophet being bold. Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who didn't ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hands. All day long, God says, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Who should we evangelize? Paul describes two groups of people in these scriptures. The first group is Israel. The first group represent the religious insiders. The first group represent people who are doing well, thank you very much. The first group represent those who are put together, whose lives work pretty well for them. The insiders. And the second group here are the Gentiles, who he calls a foolish nation, whose lives are a wreck because of their foolish decisions. People who are not seeking God. People who haven't even asked about God. Who don't even care. Who should we evangelize? Did you catch it? Who should we evangelize? We should evangelize the lost. 
This is counterintuitive, okay? But, but God says to us, don't focus on evangelizing the people who appear to be interested in religious things. That's not who you should focus on. He says, don't focus on the people who will be able to bank your church. He says, don't focus on the people who have it together and just need a little Jesus to make their lives better. He says, instead, focus on the people who are sidelined. He says, instead, focus on the people who are the most unlikely to make your ministry successful. He says, instead, focus on the people whose society has branded as outsiders and outcasts and unlikely converts. God says, take the good news to the people who aren't looking for it. That's exactly what he says here. Take the good news to the people who aren't even looking for it. I want to tell you a story about a woman named Rosaria Butterfield. She was an unlikely convert. Here's part of her story. This is an excerpt from a magazine article written about her. These are her words. She says, When I lived as a lesbian activist, I had been in a lesbian relationship for some years. And I very much thought, this is who I am. This is how I want to live. When I started writing my post-tenure book, it was on the religious right. And the people that they supposedly hated, like me. And I got to know a neighbor, Ken Smith who was also a conservative Presbyterian pastor. And what was striking was that his home looked a lot like my home. Among my circles in New York in the 90s during the AIDS crisis, somebody's home was open every night of the week. There was a lot going on. The community had to gather together, not by invitation only, because this was a crisis. This was an emergency, she writes. And we called ourselves family. I thought that was unique to the gay community. But it wasn't. Because Ken Smith's community was like that too. Ken's Christian community gathered at his house at all hours. I learned this because he invited me in. And for two years, I was loved and welcomed by a Christian community that I mocked, despised, and rejected. I accepted them when it worked for me and rejected them all the other times. There was simply no way I would have walked into a church if I hadn't had a genuine friendship with the man behind the pulpit and the people of that church. Jesus said, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. God wants us to focus on the most, what we would consider unlikely, converts. Why? Because this brings glory to God. Why? Because when we see incredible life transformation take place because of the love of God, it motivates us to worship Him. And so worship becomes not an obligatory thing that we have to do, but it becomes a response to what God is doing in people's lives. On the ground, on the block, in the street, in the neighborhoods, that God is at work and we get to be a part of it.
And we celebrate what God is doing when we gather together because he's bringing in people who aren't even looking for him. In many cases, who are opposed to him. God is reaching the people like that. People like us, if we're honest. Do you remember the story of the rich ruler? Do you remember the story of Jesus going about his, his day and the rich ruler comes up to Jesus and he says, what do I got to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you know the law. Do that. <laughs> Jesus is so good. Really, he literally he is. But he says, just follow the law. And the guy says, okay. I mean, check. 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 He goes down the list and, and Jesus looks at him And I love this. Jesus looks at him loving him. And he says, there's one thing you lack. Sell everything you have and give to the poor. You see, Jesus touched the man's heart. Right at the core of his being, he wasn't able to worship God. Because the one thing he didn't have was nothing. The one thing he didn't have was nothing. He didn't have nothing, and nothing is exactly what he needed. Jesus' disciples came up to him afterwards, just completely confused. This guy is who we need, Jesus. This is the guy who can bank our ministry. This is like, you just let him go? What are you thinking? Jesus says, it's hard for the rich to inherit the kingdom of God. Easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, right, than for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And they're confused. They're like, that doesn't make any sense. He's he's literally seeking salvation. You see that? He's seeking salvation. And Jesus says, that's not who we're looking for. Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save the lost. Not the ones who have nothing, who don't have nothing. And the disciples are just totally confused. And they say, so who can be saved? <laughs> right? They're confused. So who, if this guy can't be saved, who can be saved? And Jesus says this famous, these famous words, With man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Did you know that those words, which we use at, before football games and stupid things like that, those words are written about rich people getting saved. People who have it all together getting saved. With man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Context matters. And this is where Paul ends this section of the letter In verse 21, he says this, but of Israel, right, of Israel, the the religious, the rich, of Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. God is patiently holding out his hands to those who, who are looking for him, and who are so confused that God would be so merciful and gracious to include people who don't deserve it. Right? And, 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 and 
the design that God has is as we go out and as we look for the lost, as we proclaim the good news to people who aren't even looking for it, the religious people inside of us and the religious people in our church and the religious people in the community will look and be confused and say, why would God save people like that? And yet God might use that to make them jealous of the real thing. And God might actually pull in some of those Israelites those religious put-together people, he might, he might call them in too. Why? Because God can do impossible things. God can do impossible things. In summary, why should we evangelize? Because God has promised that everyone who believes will be saved. How should we evangelize? Preach the good news. Connect people to the people in the places where the good news is going out. Support the messengers and do it yourself. Write that paragraph. And last, who should we evangelize? Who should we focus on? God says focus on the people who society has branded unlikely, outcast, lost. The scripture says, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this message from your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking to our hearts, even now, communicating your will to us as the word is proclaimed and as we with faith receive what you have for us. Lord, I pray that you would equip us to be about that work of evangelism, to evangelize the lost. Lord, give us our own confident hope so that we believe the truth that we will not be put to shame because of of simple faith in the work of Christ who has gone before us to live and to die and to be resurrected from the grave so that we can truly have life in him. Lord, give us confidence so that our lives will overflow with love and truth and good news to everyone who you have put in our path. Lord, help us. Help us. Holy Spirit, be our helper. Be our helper. Go before us. Lord, give us things that we didn't know we had or that we could ever have. We love you, Lord. We praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The word of God for the people of God. Amen. Amen.